0: Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners. Today, our guest is firm principal and name attorney, Jennifer Newman-Sharp. Jennifer, welcome to Left Foot.
1: Thanks so much, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be talking with you today. Jennifer's
0: Law Practice focuses on entertainment, intellectual property, and media law, working primarily with entrepreneurial and creative businesses. She is an of counsel to the entertainment and media firm Ritholtz Levy, the vice president, general counsel, and board member of the nonprofit national organization Women in Music, And the co-founder, COO, and general counsel for Sparkplug, a community marketplace where musicians and artists rent instrument, equipment, and space from each other. Jennifer, I've given our listeners some insight into your roles and background. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into who you are personally?
1: Of course. So I actually have a background in music performance and production, and that first sparked my interest in working in the music industry, which when I first started my practice, I focused on initially. I started my practice four years ago, and I live in Brooklyn with my husband, and I enjoy traveling, live music, and activities like bike riding, tennis, and bowling.
0: Which of your personal strengths have allowed you to be successful in establishing your own practice?
1: I mean, I think the fact that I'm pretty social and I'm friendly, and these are qualities of mine that I think are qualities of anyone that would allow you to be successful developing any relationship, but for me, they've really been immensely valuable in developing my business because I do take a genuine interest in people when I speak to them, and clients want their attorney to feel comfortable and to feel like they know them, know who they are, and really understand their interests and are representing them.
0: Fantastic. I think that is a great, great plus. And very often we try to make things more complicated. So being a friendly person and, and being um, open can add a lot to, to our business world. That said, are there specific tactical things, things you do on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis that you feel has really helped you to retain clients, acquire new clients?
1: Yeah. In terms of uh, obtaining new clients, I think networking and being involved in events or organizations where your potential clients are going to be has been really important. So as you mentioned earlier, I'm involved in the nonprofit organization, Women in Music, and I've been involved in various capacities over the past seven years. And it's been huge in terms of connecting with artists and people within the music industry. In terms of generating new projects or matters that I'm representing my clients in, I think it's very important to be a connector you know, connect people, whether they're your current clients or just prospective clients, connect people with each other, connect them with opportunities, think about other people when a new opportunity crosses your desk and be that person to generate business for them. And I, they'll usually think of you when they're looking for representation and connection with that matter.
0: Excellent. I love that word, you know, being a connector. I mean, it's, I think it makes people more comfortable too about networking. It's really about, you know, helping others connect and really being helpful to them. Talk a little bit about strategy, kind of strategic planning about your business and the growth of your business on a periodic
1: basis. That's an interesting question because at the moment I don't sit down and plan out my year and how I'm going to develop business. For me, at least over the past two years, business has grown very organically. So I consistently receive referrals. I consistently am approached by new clients and I'm consistently meeting new people at events, whether I'm speaking, volunteering or organizing it. I'm constantly meeting new people and being exposed to them. Um, But at the same time, I do reflect back on the previous quarter, the previous year and look at what's worked and what hasn't. And if I've been spending a lot of time with a particular organization or event type or even writing a certain type of blog article that isn't delivering and giving me that great ROI, I won't do it anymore. And I'll scrap it and try something new. In, in terms of strategy, long-term strategy that I've looked at... Um, at the beginning for me, it was very important to focus on a niche for my practice. So I focused on the music industry. It's expanded since to film and television. And I work also with a lot of startups and in the tech world. So it's grown, but having that niche to focus on really allowed me to strategize very narrowly. So I thought about what clients I wanted and where they were going to be. And I tried to be there and tried to get, Whether it's as a speaker again or even contributing content to another website, I wanted to be in front of those prospective clients so that the name recognition was there and hopefully if they received a referral or somehow came across my name otherwise, they would think of me as being the type of representation that they really wanted.
0: I normally talk to guests about changes in market conditions. Um, Many of our guests have started their practices or started working in a firm before the last downturn in the economy. That said, you know, you've started your practice in these last four years, but wanted to get a sense besides, you know, expanding out of your niche, you know, has there been any other changes that you've experienced due to say market conditions or, or demand?
1: I think the change in market conditions in the past couple years has actually been pretty beneficial to my practice because while there are less big firm opportunities and prior to when I started my firm, the job opportunities that I was facing at other firms either weren't financially compelling or just weren't in a practice area that I wanted to be working in. But the fact that budgets tightened actually provided a lot of opportunity for small firms to really grow because I think clients have gotten completely fed up of being billed three attorneys deep on a matter, paying for fees for partners that they barely have a relationship with. And they really wanted more attention and to feel like they had more of a personal relationship with their counsel and also, of course, had cost-effective representation.
0: So great point. I've actually had the opportunity to interview AM Law 100 managing executives and and a CEO. And they had a similar response in that they they felt like they needed to provide more counsel, establish a more ongoing business relationship more than they did before the economy turned.
1: A lot of of what I do is not only transactional contract drafting and review, but it is strategic advising, business consulting, and working with my clients in a holistic manner. So I'm looking at all aspects of their business and representing them in a broader sense than I think was occurring prior to the market change a couple of years ago.
0: Jennifer, can you tell a success story about when you were able to either acquire a piece of business or maybe there was a potential client who approached you and you did not think you would end up um, representing that client and, and ultimately you did?
1: Sure. Sure. Something I actually wanted to bring up earlier um, that you just reminded me of is the importance of doing your job well, which may sound really, really obvious, but one area that I've, I've had a lot of surprising success is in getting new clients from parties that I was opposed to in prior matters and also being referred clients from attorneys that I was in opposition to in prior matters. So one example of this, which has occurred pretty early on in my practice, but it was the first time when I realized what a valuable client pool this was, was when I was representing an artist um, against a pretty large music licensing company. And usually those agreements aren't very negotiable, but there are a couple terms that you can ask for and changes that you can get made. So I was reviewing this agreement, negotiating it with the other party, and After the deal closed, the other party, the executive I was working with, approached me and said, we've had hundreds of attorneys review this agreement, and you brought uh, up—it actually was a typo, but it did change the meaning of the sentence materially. She said, you brought up this typo that no other attorney, including our own counsel, had caught. So that executive— after she left the company and, in a sense, continued on to other projects, she became a client of mine and has referred me a lot of business. Um, and that's happened in, in many scenarios where after a matter is concluded, assuming there's a conflict that can be waived or no conflict, the other party or the other attorney will come to me and say, hey, I want you to represent me or work with me on the next deal that we face, because they were obviously impressed with representation. And I feel like if the opposing party feels that you represented your client well, then you definitely did your job.
0: How fantastic. Now, that is a great example of uh, you know we we hear often that the first job of an attorney when they start is to become accomplished in their area of focus right and that once they become accomplished in their area of focus we often hear that now they need to look at how to develop business and grow clients it sounds like you were able to combine those things, which might reflect back to the fact that you're comfortable and, and, and an open and friendly person. But if you were going to guide someone else, uh, another uh, lawyer who is, you know, of a millennial, someone who is out really starting their business, you know, could you really talk about what you just stated in a, in a way that made a difference? I mean, I'm sure people are impressed by opposing counsel often, but this led to business. Is there anything specific you did or anything in your communication that you you know, would counsel others to do?
1: I mean, in any negotiation, while I represent my clients zealously and firmly, I think that it's pretty important not to be a jerk. And again, these theme- these are just basic common sense people skills. But if you treat the opposing party with respect, don't get emotional about it, obviously be firm and represent your client well, but remain courteous and respectful at times. I think that that um, really reflects well back on you um, and can generate new client leads. Also, keeping in mind that other attorneys need to refer out clients a lot. I refer out clients all the time to other attorneys, whether it's because their needs are outside of my practice area or because there's a conflict of interest, I certainly give business to a lot of other attorneys and I receive referrals from other attorneys. And keeping that in mind that these are your peers and these are relationships that you know will follow you for a very long time or as long as you're practicing in that region and in your practice area, I think it's, it's an important to treat other people with respect.
0: Jennifer, there's been many changes in professional services during the last 10 years. If you could comment on two things. First, anything you feel is innovative in professional services. Um, And then if we're going to talk about pricing. So if you'd like to combine those things, you can, or we can talk about pricing separately.
1: Um, I can combine them. A couple thoughts on innovation and what technology has as really where technology has really provided opportunities in recent years. Uh, one area that I f- find to be extremely beneficial, which maybe isn't innovative at this point because it's been around for a couple years now, but is social media presence and and content that's available online, whether it's YouTube, podcasts, or blogs. I found that by providing content actually for other organizations, it can be a great way to generate business. So recently I wrote an article that the digital distribution company, CD baby distributed to its membership and, and, I've had a lot of people approach me since, and I was also able to impart information to a new audience of music creators that I wouldn't have had access to otherwise, and to a very large audience of music creators. So that's from a a social media marketing standpoint. In terms of innovations in legal services, there are a number of companies now that provide new ways for you to find clients and to provide representation via their services in a way that doesn't conflict with the ethical guidelines for attorneys. So, one example of a company that I personally work with is Priori Legal. Um, I believe you've spoken with them recently. They're uh, a great company. My experience with them has been has been very positive. Um, there's other companies such as Elance, which I think may Recently rebranded, that that provides a means to connect with new clients. For me, I've I've used Elance. It's not necessarily the market that I'm going for, and the the price point sometimes isn't in line with the services that I provide. But I know that it is a very innovative way to connect with people that need legal services, really from around the world. To talk about fees, which the Elance discussion is a nice segue. There are a lot of innovations happening in fees right now, and I've tried and experimented with a number of different structures, and I still am constantly working with clients to find a structure that best works for them. I think it's very individual to practice type and the matter that you're working on. I use billable hour as a baseline in my engagement letters with clients. I do provide that other fee arrangements can be worked out on a case-by-case basis. So with some clients, I will work on a retainer basis or on a discounted retainer basis with a cap on hours on flat fee matters, on, I do some contingent compensation, although not a lot. And usually it's in connection with a certain deal. What I always discuss with clients when they ask about billing is that I think the most important thing is to be transparent in billing. And that's something that is easy with technology because you're able to, I track my time. I use an online billing system. It's very easy for me to check on where my current hours are. But the most important thing is transparency. So that if a client ever has a question about a bill or a budget concern. I want to be able to work with them because that is something that's very important to clients and clients are sensitive about talking about. And I I never want that to be an issue for them where they don't feel comfortable having that discussion with me or saying that there's a budget on a project and seeing if I can work within it.
0: It's a great point. And do you identify up front, you know, what a budget will be for a particular matter or with a particular client? Or is that something that tends to be addressed as the work is underway?
1: It depends. Usually if I'm engaged for a specific matter and the client wants to discuss uh, a flat fee arrangement or a cap on hours, we'll have that that discussion prior to me commencing work on that specific matter sometimes with clients that you have a long standing relationship it's it comes up throughout the relationship prior to starting a new matter another thing that i always keep in mind is that i'll only do flat fee arrangements for certain types of matters. So, if usually when I have a sense of the scope. Um, so, maybe I'll even do a partial flat fee. So, it's a flat fee for the initial drafting and a certain amount of consultation or negotiation in connection with the matter. But for any work beyond that, for additional rounds of revision or consultation, I'll bill at my regular hourly rate. Because in the end, I want it to be fair for my client, but I want my client to understand that it's also a service I'm providing. And again, the, it's about communication and making sure that both of us feel that the pricing is fair and reasonable for the work that I'm providing.
0: Jennifer, you made a comment earlier about, you know, really looking back and seeing what activities you've done specific to business development have really resulted in either a new business or retaining current clients or or growing current client business. How specific are you? I mean, do you look back and say, Wow, I did, you know, 30 conferences last year or speeches and I the result was I received two new clients. Therefore, I want to really be more focused next year when I choose where I'll be speaking. Or are you, you know, less prescriptive about what you're going to do and and hope or, or really just believe that down the road, most business development activities will result in business at some point?
1: I actually am very specific in the way that I analyze it. Because when I'm looking back at the year, every conference that I attend, that's time out of my personal and professional life. And I want to make sure that both the time and the expense is worth it. When I look at conferences that I've attended, I look to the specific conference to see whether it was successful, whether I learned anything from the conference, whether I gained new clients from the conference, whether I connected with people that could be good connections and valuable connections for the future, valuable relationships, personally, professionally, even as as mentors or as mentees. There's a lot of different types of value that you can get from conferences and from events. And if I at the end of the day, especially if I've attended the conference or event more than once and if it didn't generate a good return on investment, I usually won't do it again unless I really have a compelling reason. And I mean one example that's interesting is BNI, to be very specific. A lot of people swear by their local BNI chapter. And I've attended BNI chapters and they seem wonderful, but they're not for me and my practice individually. People don't have deep relationships within the music industry or within the entertainment industry generally in in that type of business development organization. So while they generate leads for a lot of different types of professionals, and I know many attorneys that find them very valuable for me in my practice area, they just aren't a valuable use of my time or money. So I think it's really important to look at what specific type of client or value you want to gain from these experiences and make sure that you're focusing on that because what's worked for one person and one attorney or one professional is not necessarily going to work for you in your practice. Jennifer,
0: business development and professional services can be looked at as being different than business development and other B2B businesses. Do you think it really is different? And if you do, you know, how is it different?
1: I do think it's different. I think there are similarities. So in any company, branding is important. Company integrity is important. And the quality of your product or service is important. And But especially so when you're providing a professional service, because ultimately you're selling yourself as a service. And when someone hires you, they are hiring you or your company for you and for the individuals that you have working for you. So it's very important to represent yourself in a way that's, that's confident, in a way that is appealing to people, or at least the type of people you want to work with. And that, again, that's different for every different type of professional. I I don't do any litigation, for example. There are some amazing litigators I I know out there that are complete bulldogs and that's how they represent themselves. And they're the tough guys or women. But for me, I try to approach deals as more collaborative and I try to present that in all of my interactions.
0: Great advice. And speaking of advice many of our listeners are millennial, mobile, and global. What advice would you give that person either in a big firm or starting out out on their own specific to business development? Any advice or priorities you would suggest they take on first, second?
1: Two things. First, I would highly recommend getting involved in some sort of organization that is within your community that you're trying to target or trying to work within. For me, I first got involved in women in music. I've since expanded and become members and leaders and other types of organizations to give back to your community and to volunteer your services. You'll end up forming genuine relationships with people that aren't necessarily clients, but could refer clients, could be professionals that you refer out to, could provide opportunities for your clients. And I think that those relationships will follow you for the rest of your life. The second advice that I have, especially for younger professionals that are starting their own practice, is to... Seek out mentors within your industry and they can be executives or other attorneys or other professionals, depending on the field that you're working in. But I think it's very important to form those relationships. And the way to do this is not to email someone and say, will you be my mentor? I've found it's to provide value back to them and it's to take a genuine interest in what they're doing and form a relationship just like you would form a friendship in a way that you want to be around this person they find you valuable they find you interesting and you have a real personal connection with them and i think that mentor relationships will naturally form out of that because you can't practice in a bubble i have attorneys older and younger that approach me regularly for advice or for just thoughts to you know to run an idea by and get my feedback on and you want to form those relationships because they're going to be extremely valuable for you in the long term and also to give back so there are always people, whether it's they're younger than you or less experienced or wanting to transition into your field that may want to look to you for advice. Being open to speaking to other people and giving advice or chatting or commiserating, but having that meaningful connection, again, I think you would be surprised at how much value both professionally, but also personally, you can get from forming those types of relationships.
0: Fantastic response, Jennifer. So pleased to have had you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series,
1: and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot.